This podcast is dedicated to helping bring hope to the hopeless, helping to energize those in the body of Christ to getting out there and sharing our faith, and to tearing down the divisional walls that are often caused by non-essential differences within Christianity. So stay tuned, because it's now time for the LinkedIn Jesus Transform Podcast. And now it's time for the LinkedIn Jesus Transformed Podcast. 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 Regurgitating Bible verses. I want to know if you really understand what it is that you are preaching. But what are you saying? Because all I'm hearing is some new age, one size fits all crap. How do you stay away from the Bible if you're going to preach? I need someone who will look me in the eye and tell me how to find forgiveness because I am running out of time. Now, here's your host, Jeff Roderick. All right. Welcome to the LinkedIn Jesus Transform podcast. We are on episode seven. I'm truly honored to be able to introduce Pastor James Ford Jr. Pastor Ford is a graduate of Moody Bible Institute and Trinity Evangelical Divinity School and is the senior pastor of Christ Bible Church of Chicago. And also, you can hear him on uh, WMBI AM 1110 and WMBI 90.1 FM here in Chicago. And that's Moody Bible Radio Station. He does treasured truth for troubled times. And he has been gracious enough to give us a little bit of time today and uh, be able to tell his story. So, Pastor Ford, thank you so much. I'm honored to have you on. Well, it's my privilege, and uh, I'm excited to be on with you today. Believe me, I love sharing about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Somebody said to me, you know, you talk about Jesus so much. You use Jesus as a crutch. You know what I told him, brother? I said, (laughs) yes, because I'm a cripple. (laughs) that's right that's right sometimes we need him as our wheelchair not just a crutch right there you go amen Amen. (laughs) oh that's wonderful and and, you know you've got such a great ministry going both through treasure truth uh uh, christ bible church of chicago is just such a blessing um and I, i highly recommend for any listeners who have not streamed his church service or listened to treasure truth to please do that um it really is a blessing so I want to talk a little bit more about you, if you don't mind, Pastor Ford. It's, you know, obviously you have so much that you could share biblically and talk about a lot of things that have to do with with the Bible and exactly what it is that God would have us know from his word. But I really want to understand you because I think your story is one that could bless so many people in understanding the power of transformation that God really can do to those who put their faith in him. And uh, if you don't mind, could you share a little bit of Pastor Ford? Uh, it wouldn't be Pastor Ford, would it? James Ford Jr., before knowing who Jesus Christ was growing up and what that looked like for you. Okay, well, uh, you know, I grew up in a uh, small family of 10, uh, nine boys wow. and one Tom girl. Wow. And, uh, I mean, one Tom boy. And, um, I grew up in a single parent home uh, in the projects of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And, uh, you know, I, I uh, believe it or not, uh, was uh, in the scholars program in high school. 
uh, graduated and went to the Marine Corps, came out and uh, uh, I mean, I just fell into all kind of things. I started selling drugs, carrying a pistol, uh, things of that nature, you know, and uh, that was that was my lifestyle before I met Jesus Christ. That's what I was into. I was in the streets. I was uh, one of these statistics uh, that you hear about all the time. Well, I, I used to work for a uh, company called St. Regis, and it was a corrugated box company. And I was a low bed trucker, had a guy uh, witnessing about Jesus. Now, you know, digressing, I have to admit, uh, in my community, there is uh, a there was a bar on one corner and a church on another corner. I can never remember anybody saying, come go to church with me. But I had so many people say, come on, let me buy you a drink. And so I had never heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, this guy, there was only two things wrong with him at that particular time. Number one, he was white. And number two, he was Southern white, y'all. And uh, his name was Ray Reno, but he would say Ray Rena. And so he would be witnessing at our job, telling people about Jesus. And you always knew uh, when Ray was coming, because you see a great flood of people trying to get out of the way, because he usually did it lunchtime. And so one time he caught me, I, I was wondering, where's everybody at in the lunchroom? And then he opened his mouth and I said, oh, it's that Jesus guy. Oh, Lord. And so he sat down beside me. And he said, uh, hi, how y'all doing? I'm looking around and I'm saying, y'all, I'm the only one here. He said, well, I'm from the South and, uh, you know, y'all is singular. All y'all is plural. Uh, so how y'all doing? I said, I'm doing fine. He said, what you got there? I said, it's called a sandwich, you know, meat, bread, cheese, lettuce, and tomatoes, man. You know, he said, bread. Did you know that Jesus Christ was the bread of life? <laughs> I said, oh, man, this guy is a Jesus. Freak. I said, no, 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 no. I, I, I didn't know that, you know. And he said, let me tell you something. And he gave me the first witness that I could remember of anybody ever telling me the good news of Jesus Christ. He went down the Romans road. I know many of your 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 listeners know what the Romans road is. You know, he started at Romans uh, uh, 3.23, and then he went to Romans 6.23, and then Romans 5.8, and then ended up with Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Well, that's the first time I ever heard anything like that. And, you know, I put it out of my mind. Because the Bible says, if our gospel is hid, it is hid to those who are lost, whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the glorious light of the gospel of Christ, who's the image of God, should shine unto him. And so Satan snatched that word out of my out of out of my mind. You know, but but I but I, I remembered it. How old were you, right? I'm curious. How old were you when when uh, this was transpiring, when he was when he was witnessing to you? Yeah, I was 23 years old. Yep. Yeah. And uh, and so, you know, kind of fast forward the video. 
uh, you know, I started going through some changes, my wife and I, and uh, we were getting ready to uh, divorce mm. after only three years of marriage. And, uh, you know, we're, let me see if I can remember when I got converted. It was, uh, it was September 29th, 1974, between 1130 uh, PM, 12 o'clock AM, 7372 from Osway, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, 15208. I was on the right side of the bed, that side closest to the alley. Just and, dawned upon you. Huh? Okay. And, you know, so I, va- I vaguely remember <laughs> my conversion. Yes, I vaguely remember. And so we were sitting there. I was going to leave the next day, you know, uh, file for divorce. Mm. And she said to me, she said, uh, you know, we were talking and I said, hey, look, let's be friends. So we're smoking dope, getting high, high as the proverbial kite. And, uh, you know, she says to me, what about Jay? Now, Jay is my oldest son, uh, James Ford, the, the uh, third. You know, we have creative names in my family. You know, his son is James Ford, the fourth. And when he when his son gets married, we're we're pressuring him to do the fifth, you know, uh, but. <laughs> He was our only son at the time, and I had never considered him. Now, now here's what God did. Here's how God brought me under conviction. When I was about six years old, I said to my uh, mother, I said, Mom, where's my dad? She said, boy, your dad only did two things for you. He gave you his last name and a 12-cent can of milk. And I haven't seen him since. And it was like, at that young age, I said, if I ever have a child, I'm never going to do to him or her what my dad did to me. And God brought that conviction. When she said, what about Jay? I didn't know it then. Of course, hindsight's always 2020. It was the Holy Spirit using that to bring me under conviction. And I fell under great conviction. And here's what I heard. The last words of Ray Rena. Bo, that's my nickname. Bo, no matter what your problem is, Jesus Christ is the answer. And that's all I could hear in my head. Then I could hear him saying, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is he. But God commended his love toward us. And I uh, just kept, and, and, and my next reaction was, was a shock even to my wife. I fell out of the bed. Uh, I fell on the floor. And, you know, I'm a good Baptist boy, but guess what? That high was poured out of me like you pour water out of a glass. I was cold sober. And I start saying, God, I didn't know that you were real. Please don't hurt me. I didn't know you were real. And I looked at my wife. I said, God is real. He's real. I could just, I could sense that God is real. I don't know where it's coming. And I thought she'd say, oh, you're just trying something else, you know, because I tried a lot of stuff, you know, the, the before, you know, we, we, we decided to get a divorce. And she said, he is, he is real. And you know, she was a good church girl. She was in the choir and everything, but she wasn't a Christian. She had never accepted Christ. She was a professor without being a possessor. You know, and a lot of people are like that. They're in church, but they're not in Christ, you know, and uh, 
you know, she, she started crying. She said, I, I'm sober. I said, I am too, you know, and, and I said, let me tell you what this guy said and, and, and just repeated what he said. And I didn't even know how I remember it, though, you know, I never quoted any script. Only scripture I knew was what every unsaved person knew. Jesus wept and Jesus turned water into wine. That's <laughs> that was the extent of my Bible knowledge. Uh, and, and those scriptures kept coming back. And that night we both gave our life uh, to Jesus Christ. I tell everybody, not only did he save our souls, he saved our marriage. He saved our parenthood. I mean, all of that at one time. As a matter of fact, that night, I flushed all my drugs down the toilet. Wow. Good. And uh, yeah, so I got up that Monday. That was a Sunday. I got up that Monday to go to work. I, I'm on my way to work and I'm, I'm, I'm saying to God, God, I, I thank you for what I don't know what happened, but I, I just feel different. I just, you know, uh, I, I don't know what's going on. And uh, I said, but I can't tell anybody when I get to work because, you know, my reputation on the job. You know, and uh, I get to the front door and I was just overwhelmed. I went in and at the time clock, uh, you know, I start saying last night, my wife and I found God and, and people were actually running from me when I would tell them I found God. He's real. And so I remember there was this deacon who was always asking me to go to church. But he never told me anything about Jesus. And so, I, you know, I, I saw him and I ran. I started hugging him. I said, I found God last night. Me and my wife, we found God. And uh, he, you know, pushed back and he started running from me, you know. And so I knew I was in trouble because Bill, who was my supervisor, came with two assistant supervisors to escort me off of the job site. And I said, you know, Bill, Bill, you know, when I, and, and this is, I couldn't stand this guy, man, you know, and then I don't, I don't know what, uh, what came over when he started coming through more. I knew what was going on. I knew, I knew I'm, I'm about to get fired, but I ran up to him, Bill, I love you. I don't know why I love you. Cause I hated you, but I love you now. I don't know why me and my wife found God last night. And I don't know why I love you. I don't know why I'm telling you this. Wow. Wow. <laughs> He's, okay. 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 So they, they, they were escorting me. And uh, Ray's electrician and his company was uh, uh, coming to do a job at our at our at our site. I saw him on a ladder and I broke away and I ran. I said, Ray, man, me and my wife found God last night. You know, he came down the the ladder. He started hugging me. He started crying, Mm. you know, and I was crying. And Bill said he's got to leave the property. And Ray said, leave him alone. I'll escort him out. Leave him alone. And they actually left me alone. He sat me down, pulled out what I used to call uh, the, the, the Bible Derringer. That's a pocket New Testament mm. and walked me through Romans Road again. He said, he said, Bo, you ain't found God because God ain't never been lost. But the Bible says the son of man came to seek and save that which was lost. Therefore, if any man be in Christ. He's a new creature, old things. That's why you flush the drugs down the toilet. He said, now, now give me your address. I'm going to come to your house. Now, Ray lived in the Winneka of Pittsburgh. I lived in the Cabrini Green of Pittsburgh. He come 50 miles one way to teach us about Jesus Christ. Because like I said, you know, I was racist. I was so racist. I wouldn't even eat white 
white rice. I was so I was so racist. I wouldn't even take aspirin because you had to pick cotton before you could get to that. Oh, and and uh, God God showed me this man start coming to our neighborhood. He started teaching us. My wife and I, we led 13 of our family and friends uh, to Christ in the, in the first three months of our conversion. Man, he would come. And I hope I don't get too choked up about this, but uh, Ray is 10 years older than I am. And uh, Ray became the closest thing I've ever had to having a father, even today. So all along my Christian journey, he's been there, you know. He, he, you know, the first church I ever belonged to was Ray's church, you know, the, the baptized uh, at Ray's church. Uh, when I became, uh, 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 when God called me to ministry, you know, Ray was there. When we opened a coffee house ministry, that's 60s and 70s. Folk don't know about that. But we opened a coffee house ministry in the community and we would go out four days a week on the corners and preach the gospel. Wow. Four days a week and preach the gospel. And so many people got converted. As a matter of fact, uh, I had said to God, everywhere I went and sold drugs and every bar, every every after hour joint, I want to preach the gospel. And when I left to go to Moody to be trained, God said, you did it. And I, and I realized I preached on every corner I ever stood selling drugs. Mm. I preached in every bar I ever took a drink. Every after hour joint I ever played cards and gambled in, every place I ever went and did dirt in Pittsburgh, God let me preach the gospel there. That is yeah. amazing. You know what God that and that is that is just what God does, which is He transforms you. Obviously, impacted you in a way that you can't just be quiet about it. You can't just be silent about it. I mean, this is the this is the God of the universe That's who right. loves us, and He rescued you and right. despite the fact that you were on every corner selling drugs and doing the things that you were doing he loved you enough to die for you and you understood that and put you on fire for him praise yeah. god praise god yeah. when you were when you were growing up i know you said that your your father had not been around at least you you found out when you were 6 years old that he hadn't been around since probably close to your birth uh, your mother was was obviously in your life um uh grandparents was your mother a a Christian influence at all? Did you have grandparents as a Christian influence at all? None whatsoever. None yeah. whatsoever. My, my mother, uh, you know, there are 10 of us and there are three different fathers. You okay. Know? Yeah. And uh, my grandmother, uh, my grandma, Essie, uh, she was something else. And uh, she helped raise me. My mom had me when she was 13 and uh, my grandmother took me and uh, for about four years, she raised me, you know, and so a lot of stuff I got from uh, from uh, we call her big mama from my big mama, even though she was only 120 some pounds. But we call her big mama because and she cussed like a sailor. She cussed so bad, make your ears bleed. And she used to take me as a young child and take me to the bar sit me on the counter and say, show these people how you can dance. And they would give me, me coins and give her drinks, you know? So no, no Christian influence whatsoever. Wow. (laughs) Wow. So, so God, so God really did use this, this white Southern guy that, that, uh, 
calls y'all to one person <laughs> and it's educated me today that all y'all is more than one person That's down right. south. So I'll have to remember that when I go down there. But so he used this one guy to not only bring the transforming grace of, of Jesus Christ into your heart and transform your life, but also showed you a fatherly figure in a white man yeah. at a time that you were going through a, a, a racist mindset, a, a feeling that that we had a complete division between two races and and God broke down that wall as well. It's, it's amazing. And your your story of what you're saying right now is something that resonates so, so much. And I, and I hope it, it not only resi- resonates, but it permeates throughout the entire Christian body because we need to share the good news of Jesus. And what a great way to do it is to share our testimony of how God radically changed us, what he did for us. And when you have a testimony like yours, where people are seeing you and they know you on the streets, caring and 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 dealing and, and doing the stuff that you're doing on the streets, and that's who they know James Ford Jr. is. And now they're seeing this other completely different person. That That is a testimony right there that these are not just words. This is a life transformational truth that that you can't get around. That's right. So, so when you were going around and doing this uh, and, and sharing with people and people are realizing you got your arm around them and you got a Bible and they're becoming... Christians and it, and it, and things are, are happening. Was that when God said you're going to be a pastor? And- like I said, Ray was discipling us. And when he would share something, generally I'd share that with other people and people start saying things like, are you, you a preacher? No, <laughs> no. Mm. And would never be one, you know. And matter of fact, it was in, in the north side of our city where I had been out sharing Christ because I would go like I'd go downtown and stand on street corners and share Christ too. And a, a guy heard it and said, Hey, would you come and speak to our youth? I said, I'm not a preacher. I don't want you to preach. I just want you to share your testimony. So, you know, uh, he said, this is our theme, you know, the verse. So I, I just looked at the verse and, you know, I shared my testimony and then I, I said some things about the verse, you know, and uh, afterward, you know, there, there were about eight young people that came to faith in Jesus Christ. The guy said, man, I know, I know you've been called to preach. No, sir. Mm-hmm. I have not been called. I, I share my testimony, but that's all that I that I do. And so this kept happening, kept happening, kept happening. Well, what actually led to it was an action by Ray Reno. I lived in the alley for most of the way it was called Drug Alley. And uh, you could get any kind of drug in that alley you want. Well, I used to get my drugs from a guy named Clyde who lived in the alley. Clyde came one day because Ray was coming. Now he's bringing people to the coffee house. He was bringing people from from his Winneka to our Cabrini Green. And so Clyde came up one time and said, I know, you know, you say you're religious, but I, I don't believe it. I think that guy's a narc and you know what will happen if he is. You know, and, you know, he, he would kill both of us, you know, back mm-hmm. in that day. Sure. I said, I got an obligation to tell him. So when Ray came that Thursday to Bible study with us, I said, Ray, I said, your life could be in danger, man. And you could be you could be shot just because they think that you are a narc. Mm-hmm. And that brother looked me in my eyes and with tears in his eyes, he said to me, he said, Bo, if Jesus can shed his blood for us then brother, I can shed my blood for you. If you'll keep letting me, I'll keep coming. Man, I start crying like a baby. That's when I realized 
my own father abandoned me. And here this man is telling me, he died for me? Wow. And it was that that became the catalyst to God saying, I want you to share this. I want you, I want you to quit your job and I want you to serve me. I want you to die for me. And I, you know, I said, man, I said to Ray, I said, you know, Ray, you know, he died. He died for me. I'm going to live for him. I told him, I said, you know, I need to do something in my own community. We had a guy come to our coffee houses. His name was Daddy Walt. He's with the Lord now. And he knew so much about the Bible because the word had got out. There's a group of young people at this Wisdom from the Word coffee house. Man, they they all over this community, man, telling everybody about Jesus. And so Pastor Tame sent uh, Daddy Walt to find out who we were. We, we, we didn't know it. And sure. I said, this guy knows more than anybody I've seen in here. He know more than Ray. And, I, and so I said, so where's your church? And he told, he said, Tioga. And I said, oh, yeah, who's your pastor? He said, Pastor Tame. And so I told him, uh, I'm going on a reconnaissance uh, this Sunday. I'm going to check this church out and see what's going on. I went in there in this uh, predominantly African-American church. And guess what? Pastor Tame was white. Wow. Yeah. Wow. yeah. God's working come. on you already so he, much, he, right? He had, come. he had come in yeah. the 60s during the riots. Wow. It, they, wow. they have wanted to switch from being what was called a traditional Baptist church to get teaching. He was on the radio teaching. Uh, every day. And so they approached him and said, would you consider being our pastor? And he said, I, I wouldn't know how to pastor a black church. They said, we, we, we listen to you on the radio. We want the word. We're tired of what we're getting. And, uh, you know, he was there and our church became a missions church and because of Pastor Tay and an expository preaching church. So he saw the same thing and he embraced me as a matter of fact, when I went to Moody and took homiletics class, they said, why are you in this class? And I said, what do you mean? It's obvious. You already know this. I said, my pastor taught me. Wow. And so, you know, it was like I was looking. I said, I said, you know, God, I don't know what you have for me, but <laughs> white people have to be included in it because the guy who led me to Christ and then pa preacher Bob, my first pastor, and then Pastor Tame, my second pastor, you know, and then, of course, I went to Moody. <laughs> and when I went to Moody, there was only 16 African-American students out of a student body of 1400. So and the church I started pastoring uh, was uh, in the Baptist General Conference, which, you know, if you know anything about it, now it's called Converge, but it used to be the Swedish Baptist Convention, you know. Wow. Uh, wow. So, you know, God had that for me. You know, it's it's amazing. The I know your education is extensive. I mean, I know that you are officially Dr. Uh, James Ford Jr. at this point, um, and, and you've, you've gotten some really good, solid theological education, but you've also uh, got some influences that I know I've, I've heard of, obviously, uh, Warren Wiersbe, right? The, the big, big name that you, that I know was an influence for you. Yes. Um, I think you've even mentioned somebody who was a big influence for me, Adrian Rogers. Um, yeah, yeah lo love Adrian. And uh, can you s talk about some of, of the uh, teachers and influencers that, that you've had that have helped you shape your theology and shape maybe even your your teaching? So you've got such a great teaching style. I want to talk a little bit about that as well, but maybe some of, some of that as well. Females, males that, that have really helped you. Well, I cut my teeth on Adrian Rogers and someone you may not have heard of, Oliver B. Green. Mm. 
No, I have not. And, but uh, I'm gonna <laughs> Oliver B. Green. You can still Google him and and hear him. He was uh, a, a Baptist preacher that was full of fire, man. You know, and uh, he came on in our area, and along with uh, Dr. Adrian Rogers, and I would listen to these guys. But the one who who actually shaped my theology was Pastor Charles Francis Tame, you know, my second pastor. Uh, he saw the gift in me, and he and he talked with the kind of uh, the deep bass voice, and he would say, "Bo Ford." The Lord has his hand on you. I want to work with the Lord with you. And he, mm. he taught me expository preaching. And, you know, he taught me, you know, he said, you go to a passage and you want to. Matter of fact, that's where, where I first learned the, the word pericope. I prefer pericope rather than paragraph. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, so he taught me and he was an alliterator like Dr. Adrian Rogers. He was. A, it is. I love alliteration. You yes, know. you do. Yes, you do. And you you, you know do it, it so well. You know, and it's like you know, I uh, <laughs> I love it so much. I, I'll even do like some of these rappers. You know, I told I told them I teach the congregation. I said the uh, the world wants to pour you, and the flesh wants to allure you, and the <laughs> devil wants to devour you. Okay, and I say I know it's devour, but it does it does it doesn't match the alliteration. <laughs> That's right. If Eminem can do it, you can do it. That's so. right. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, so he was my greatest influence. And uh, uh, I still have his Bible. He went home to be with the Lord. And his wife said he wanted you to have his Bible. I still have his Bible. And as a matter of fact, she gave me all of his notes, you know, and that that's almost 50 years of uh, ministry, you know, from the radio and stuff like that, you know. And so he was the greatest influence in my life theologically uh, mm -hmm. because, uh, and then uh, Ray, because Ray, I mean, he is sound, you know, people would come and they would say things and I would say, Ray, I don't understand this. You know, they said this, that, and the other. And my theological undergirding was given to me by Ray, you know, all that kind of stuff. And he would take me through. So I, you know, I really, I really start growing very rapidly because Ray didn't give me a bottle. He stuffed meat down my throat. You know, he was teaching us. We, we had been going to uh, South Park probably about three months. Yeah, about three months. I had never given. And he had taught us that Thursday on that we should be giving and then get to church. And what's preacher Bob preaching about giving? And so all the money I had in my pocket, I emptied empty into the offering plate i just emptied my pockets and you know my my pockets were hanging out and ray started crying i say ray what's the matter man what's the matter he said you're giving to the lord and you've given your all and i said well you ought not be crying i need to be crying i'm the <laughs> one that, that, that gave he said no he said he said he said usually that's the last thing to happen before you know somebody is truly committed to the Lord. Usually the last thing they give is their money. A lot of Christians talk about how much they love them, but they don't give. They don't support the work of the Lord. And, you know, people talk about tithing. Man, I was tithing as a new Christian, you know. <laughs> Where are you now? I, I'm not going to tell anybody what I give. I can tell you uh, our family, we give 30 
98% of our income to the work of the Lord. Our local church, you know, my wife and I, we support 18 different missions organizations, you know, and our goal is 50% of our income to the Lord before we leave this place. That's our goal. Wow. And yes, give your time. Yes, give your give your love, give your self but but financially, God makes it very clear. The tithing, obviously, as you said, is is it's kind of like a minimum. Right? That's right. But God makes it clear. Give give according to your heart's desire. Right. And That's so, right. you, right. you're setting a great example. And and I and I hope that the church with capital C yeah. will will gravitate to that same thing. And we are the church, and we know it's grace giving yep. for grace living you know right. and so but like you say you know the old testament standard you know uh and most people know it already is 23 and a third percent for the mm. for the jew in the old testament but you know the idea is you know it, it, it is it is god i want to show you i'm committing right. to you because you know it's not what i do with a million if a million would be my lot but what am I going to do right now with the dollar and quarter I got? And so what happens, man? You know, Google it. We give, we pay more in dog food than we give to the service of the Lord. That's tragic. Yes, yeah. it is. Your, your preaching, um, uh, it, you mentioned expository preaching. You have some amazing expository uh, teachings every week on, on Sundays. And I even know you, you've done the, the online Bible studies in the past. I don't know if you have one going right now, but I know that you have done those and um, amazing expository preaching. The idea of people doing expository preaching versus topical preaching, which is something that, that you find very predominantly all throughout you know, evangelical churches and everything, a lot of topical preaching, but not expository preaching. Can you hit on the importance to you as to expository preaching over topical preaching? Oh, yeah, because I can take a topic and I can say anything I want to say about that topic and then find a couple of verses saying, but expository preaching, it, I mean, you hear the word expose. Mm. That's what we're trying to do. Expose the text to God's people so that the intent of Scripture will be comprehended. God had the writers of Scripture write the Scripture for specific purposes and reasons. And so those reasons need to fit. Be, be, expository preaching them becomes the most effective because it's the closest to what God wants you to know. None of us will be able to do it perfectly, but if we expose that text, like right now, we are going through the book of Philippians at Christ Bible Church. We, we, we start off giving the background and the comprehension. And so here's what I tell people all the time, because expository preaching primarily focuses on context. That is, what is the context of the passage? And here's what I tell our congregation all the time, a text without a context, is both a pretext and a proof text. People are saying things. Uh, I'll give you an example. You can't say this at, to Christ Bible Church people because they'll ask you, are you pregnant? It was very popular and still is in some places. I'm blessed and highly favored. Well, when I hear things like that, I always go back and I look at what scripture says. Well, I know that in Luke, blessed and highly favored is called a hapex legomena, $50 theological word that means it's only used once in all of scripture. Mm -hmm. 
So hapex legomena, once in all of scripture. So then what's the context? It's said of Mary. Now, as a believer, I can be blessed. As a believer, I can be highly favored. But only Mary was called blessed and highly favored. Why? Because she was giving birth to the Messiah. So if you say, if you say to a Christian from Christ Bible Church, I'm blessed and highly favored, you know, they say, are you pregnant? <laughs> are you pregnant? What do you mean am I pregnant? Because blessed and highly favored was a designation given to Mary because mm. she was giving birth to the Messiah. So I was just being facetious, but yeah, you're not yeah. giving birth to the Messiah. He's already been born. He's already been raised. He's already dead, buried, and raised in the newness of life. So only Mary can be blessed and highly favored. That's an incorrect way to use that verse. Wow. I love that. And I love expository preaching. I, I just, you know, I, I've always said topical preaching is when you take and you try to uh, stuff scripture into your message, where expository preaching is you're trying to stuff your message into scripture because scripture is the foundation of there expository you preaching. Like you know, um, I want to hit on one last thing here because I know our time is running, uh, running low here. So I, I know you do Treasure Truth, um, a, a radio station uh, a program that I would like to hear a little bit about and, and how God's using that. And then also, I always see marriage being a very strong, central message. Where is the passion that you have for teaching on marriage? Um, where does that passion really come from? Well, like I said earlier, when I share my testimony, my wife and I were on our way to the divorce court and uh, God saved our marriage. He saved mm -hmm. our soul, saved our marriage in the same night. Uh, now, in a couple months in May, we'll, we will have been married 51 years. Oh, congratulations. And so, yeah. And so, you know, it, it was out of this desire and I'm seeing, you know, people that have my background, don't know who their father is, never met them. The divorce is rampant. Uh, you know, it was like God just laid it on my heart. It took about three years for my wife and I to actually come to the place where we felt that Jesus was in control of our marriage. And because we had a lot of baggage, the infidelity and all those kinds of things that I was involved in. You know, I, I read a book, David Carter. He was the uh, pastoral counselor for Chuck Swindoll, oh. and he put out a, a book on infidelity and how to recover from it. And I read that book probably five or six times. And he talks about, never forget it because I use it in my counseling, class one, class two, class three affair. You know, and so each one of those have different principles for recovery. God worked on that and, and that became a strong point, you know, like my wife, uh, one of the reasons we're going to get the divorce is because my wife said what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So she starts cheating. Mm -hmm. Then people start coming to us when they start seeing our marriage and, and what was going on in our marriage and how there was a recommitment to each other. So it just became, you know, kind of like the preaching. I didn't want to preach, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but, you know, it was like, you know, God said, this is what I want you to do. And so that's, that's what we started doing. And that just became, you know, our focus. I, I say a prayer and I talk about this on, on a lot of shows because this is truly a daily prayer that I have, especially when I'm going to come on and, and do a podcast or I'm going to teach an evangelism course, or I'm going to do anything as, surrounding God. My prayer that I, I pray to him is that, Lord, please don't let me try to do good things for you, but instead give me the strength to surrender myself to you so that you will do mighty things through me. Me. Okay. And 
what you are describing is a picture of what that happening. You didn't know you were going to preach. In fact, you didn't care to even consider being a pastor. You didn't know you were going to start helping couples with their marriage. But what you did do is you surrendered your life to God. He came into you and is doing these mighty works through you. And that's where the fruit is coming from. Those are the works that don't get burnt up one day that you will receive crowns in heaven for one day. And I'm so thankful for you. Well, praise the Lord for you too, brother. Amen. Thank you. So Treasure Truth, uh, when can people hear Treasure Truth? It is nationally syndicated, I believe, as well as uh, here in Chicago, right? Here in Chicago, it's Monday through Friday, uh, 6.30 to 6.55 on uh, uh, Moody Radio FM, 90.1 FM. It's called Treasure Truth for Troubling Times. My app, I have an app, James Ford Jr. Ministries, just starting that. So they can download that. It got all kind of information on there and uh, some exclusive material um, on James Ford Jr. Ministries as well. Fantastic. And if they would like to join your, your church service for the live stream, um, those that is on Sunday, I believe at 11 a.m. is when it streams. Yeah, we have uh, eight. Eight o'clock service and 11. You can join us at eight and then join your church. Uh, or if your church meets early, 11 o'clock. Yes. Okay. okay. Uh, Christ Bible Church of Chicago.org. I, and I highly recommend doing that. It's, it's a blessing every single week to be able to hear uh, some great expository preaching that uh, Pastor Ford does each and every week. And uh, go download his app. You're going to hear a lot of great messages on there, and you'll be able to filter through and find messages on certain topics that may be speaking to where you're at in these times. And uh, treasure truth for troubling times, as we all are witnessing some very troubling times in this world and things that are going on across this world. Nothing better than to find the treasure in the truth. And Pastor Ford does a great job with bringing that to us via the radio program. So, Pastor Ford. I am blessed. Thank you so much again for for coming on and uh, doing this with us. And uh, I, I so look forward to to hearing from you again. Okay, Brother Joe, thank you for God having bless. me on. Amen. God bless you. Truly a blessing. And his story is one of a transformation that only God can do. I highly recommend go and Google Pastor James Ford Jr. and listen to some of his expository preaching and some of his messages that he delivers on Treasured Truth. And I'm telling you, you will be blessed. If you yourself have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, I just implore you to consider the sins that we have committed here on earth and what that means before a righteous, holy, just God. And the fact that Jesus Christ has paid our fine for us, God himself becoming Jesus Christ, living a sinless life, going to the cross and pouring out his life's blood for you and for I, because while we were yet sinning, Christ died for us. He wants to give you the free gift of salvation. It is through his grace and his grace alone that the gift is offered. And you can become linked in Jesus and begin living your life all for him.